The holidays are here! And that brings some dilemmas about gifting and gifts and receiving and how do we handle it in our clinics. This week, we're going to talk about some of the little sticky situations you might find yourself in when you are accepting gifts this holiday season on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And a topic that may not seem so tough at first is how do we receive gifts from clients and other people in our clinics during the holiday seasons? At first, this seems like a no-brainer, but as you're going to discover during today's podcast, it can come with some consequences. But before we get into those consequences of gifts and gifting, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, I, I honestly can't believe it. We're in November already. Like, where did this year go? It's in, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have it. It's not here. I don't have it. It went to, it went, went, and it felt like it was crawling, you know, and then all of a sudden right. you feel like you just hit August and then Boom. the next thing you know, right, it's November and we're talking holidays. Right. And, and many of us are already beginning to make plans and whether it's it's hospital events or things like that. I mean, you and I do a lot of stuff. You've got the veterinary industry giving tree going full bore of blasting off. Uh, you know, we're doing our community Christmas tree lighting. I mean, there's so much stuff going on. And one of the things that accompanies every holiday season in veterinary clinics is clients giving us stuff. Well, Becky and I were talking recently and we were saying some of those situations that we find ourselves in. And guys, if you haven't listened to we've done several podcasts over the years. In fact, one of our very first podcasts nearly six years ago, coming up soon, Becky, was all about like holiday staff scheduling drama. And so we've talked about about, you know, do you give gifts? Do you give time off? How does all that work? But Becky, you kind of pos positioned a question that I, I I really hadn't thought of before. Well, it's because I hear these like rumblings in general year round of like, what do you do if a client tries to tip you? Or, do you guys allow tips? Should right. I expect tips? Like where do tips? Because everybody seems to be like nowadays it has nothing to do with like a waitress waiter situation. We're tipping is everywhere. Tip jars are all over the place. So it's like, Okay, well, that kind of brought in this conversation because we're so close to the holidays is it's not just tips and, and it's gift giving and um, sharing <laughs> during the holidays and, you know, all of the things that go with it that seem really harmless and no big deal. But I really love to take those things and make something out of them. And so that's what I did this morning <laughs> when I said, like, I don't know. Is it a problem? Is this a thing? Should we talk about it? And so we're going to unpack. We'll at least open the present and see if there's something to unpack. Oh, I love that. And again, yeah. viewfinders, don't worry. If you're germophobic like we are, we've got stuff for you coming up. But Becky, I think the first thing is revolves around the tipping aspect. And one of the little trends that I've kind of seen lately is sometimes clients are using tips as a way to to buy our favoritism or make sure their pet gets extra special care, right? So, I mean, they're doing it with good intent or to reward you for doing a fantastic job. But Becky, that can also bring with it some some you know conflict within the team, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, and I think you're right because think about like that. I definitely have seen the scenario where there's like the dog that comes in regularly for a bath and everybody knows that owner leaves a nice fancy tip, a nice fat bonus up yep. front when the dog comes up nice and clean. 
So you do sort of have people like, oh, I'll go ahead and get the Smith's dog today. I'll, I'll go ahead and knock that out. Sure. It's people like kind of prioritizing getting that pet taken care of so that their name is on that. Then I'm kind of like, well, there's, we always talk about the team aspect, right? Of the clinic. And there's at no point, are you not, any one client comes in that generally they're going to deal with the reception. They're going to deal with, you know, a technician or an assistant, maybe the veterinarian, but there's usually a couple people in that interaction. I know most of the restaurants I go to and tip, the waitresses, they tip out their bus boys and the, you know, kitchen right. staff and the bartender and stuff like that. So then like, should we include everybody? I don't know. I, I, I want to create a lot of questions around this because I think it is sort of innocent but it is something that when you start to kind of put it under a magnifying glass, you think this is actually kind of maybe something that is a problem I didn't even realize was a problem, such as everyone's racing to get off the floor to go wash Mrs. Smith's Golden Retriever. Right. And for the record, you know, viewfinders, we did not allow tipping at our clinics, right? I mean, that was just something we did. I'm not saying it didn't ever happen, but, you know, as a general rule, we didn't accept tips. But it brings up a lot of the issues that Becky just just brought up here. And and Becky, I think the biggest thing, too, that, that we saw, and I've seen this in other clinics that sort of encourages, especially those that have grooming, is the fact that you, you, you learn very quickly that, okay, it's always going to be Susie doing that dog on a dog bath buster or whatever you, as you describe a second ago. And then there can build resentment, right? Because suddenly now it's right. like, well, that's, hey, Buster's Susie's. You know, I'm not even going to go near that. You you handle that. And so that's kind of the tension and the conflict that I worry about that, that sort of, I guess I would say, persistent or consistent tipping could create in a clinic. Sure. And then the client maybe takes preference to somebody and says, you know, right. like only Becky can trim their nails right. and only Becky can do this and only Becky can do that. And then it's like, oh, it's only Becky. Right. Right. Uh, you know, do we allow that kind of thing to happen? And, you know, is it sort of a conflict of interest? Is it an incentive for a job well done? Like, I, I don't want to overlook that either and say, hey, I'm, an, I'm a client. I have a preference. I spend money. I come in here. Becky does the best nail trim. My dog comes back happy. They're never quick. I want Becky to do it. If you have a problem with me requesting her, then tell me and I'm not going to come here at all, maybe. Right. right. So then it's kind of like in my head, I don't want to overlook that it could be the opportunity of somebody doing a job well done and deserving that repeat business, right? My hairdresser makes a living by doing a really good job so people come back to her, right? Right, right. So I, I kind of am like, that's a hard call. And I think it's like you said, there has to be sort of a generalized policy. However, you said, in general, we don't allow tipping. I'm not saying it didn't happen. Exactly. Yep. So that's the thing we have to pick apart, right? So like, okay, we have a policy that says no tipping, but then sometimes it is happening. What about if you have a technician who's going and doing fluids on Mrs. Smith's cat at home after hours? Right. What about things like that? Are we then piecing out this kind of side hustle? And does that create it? So I, that's where I think this has the potential to unravel a little bit. Yeah, and viewfinders, we're not saying we have the answers because these are very no. nuanced, complicated issues. But getting back to what Becky said, you know, most of the tipping that I've experienced in my 30 plus years in, in vet medicine is, is around cosmetic aesthetics, right? So it's the grooming, the nail trims, that the bathing, right? That kind of stuff. Um, where I've always found it was interesting was the fact that you could go, you as a doctor and a vet tech could go to heroic lengths to, to save a dog's life or whatever. And tipping was never part of the equation, right? So I think that there's a couple of factors here. Number one, because 
in many industries, like Becky mentioned hairdressing and so forth. I know my wife is a regular tipper, right? So that's a custom, right? So you're used to it, seeing the good hairdresser. Well, so I go to the groomer, right? So I think there's some of that. But on the other end of this spectrum is the bills are typically lower. So sometimes they're doing this nail trim for 12 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever it might be. And they're like, hey, here's a fiver, right? (laughs) To make sure you do a good job. Whereas I just saved your your kitty cat's life from chronic renal failure and the bill's $800. You're like, I'm not going to throw you that $100 tip or whatever. Zero desire to tip you. (laughs) Right, right. But that's, I mean, and and I think that's, I think that's where in our brains those lines are, right? Because I'm like, I'm paying you for your you know, to do this job. Whereas I I don't think you can, I mean, it, you should go above and beyond. You should do best practices as opposed to like the nail trim right. where yeah. some people quick them and some people don't. And all of a sudden that becomes of monetary value to me as opposed to, like you said, these life-saving measures. Right. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you guys, early in my career, I'll never forget this. I had a, um, uh, I guess it was probably maybe my third or fourth year of owning owning my first clinic. And, and Becky, there was this lady and she was one of those people that came in on a regular basis giving us chocolates, okay? And, um, and, and that was just what she did. Like she was always bringing in these little trays of chocolates, you know, and again, not that she made the chocolates, but these were store-bought chocolates and she would just bring them into us. And one day, I one of my technicians overheard her talking up front because she had come in with a tray and everybody's like, oh, thank you, Mrs. And, you know, and I still remember her name, but I'm not going to say it on the yeah, air. Yeah. But, but anyway, so, uh, you know, and she's talking to this other lady up front. She goes, that's so nice. She goes, oh, yeah. She goes, I tell you, this is how you get the best service. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. again, viewfinders, this was sort of a deliberate act, an intentional act to say, you know what? I want to go to the front of the line. I want to make sure that they take extra special care of my buddy and uh, and and go from there. So I think, you know, this leads us to today's conversation about holiday gifts. Becky, do you think sometimes clients are saying, you know what? I better do something extra special for Becky and Dr. Ward because I want to make sure they take care of my fluffy. I think it's, I hope it's the other way around. <laughs> right, right. I'm going to get something for Becky and Dr. Ward because, because right. not as opposed to so that. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I always pick my dog up from the vet with treats. Like I'm sure. forever feeding the team. And I think my motivation is more because internally I understand that chocolate will save their life at 3 p.m. <laughs> right. And it's like for them. But I do think it is a, it is an act of gratitude from most of our clients. But also, people are smart enough to know you get more than, with honey than vinegar. Yeah, yeah. And if you are known for, and this doesn't even have to be at your vet, right? Right. I mean, if it's like you're known in the neighborhood, you're known at the PTA, you're known at the bank, you're known everywhere for being the person that brings that awesome cookie tray or that makes that delicious homemade stew or whatever the thing is. There is an emotional connection to you immediately, right? Yeah, right? And so there is going to be that like, oh, she takes such good care of us. She brings us treats. So we have to take care of her. It's reciprocal. Right. And, and I, I remember that lady, right? To this day, I can see her mm-hmm. face right now and I know her name and I know her her dog. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so it does work. But again, yeah, Becky, let's get back <laughs> yes. to this thing. Okay. So now let's say we're rolling into the holidays. It's around Thanksgiving and here comes Mrs. Such and Such with a very nice gift. One of the issues, and, and typically viewfinders, we all know it's usually a food gift, right? I mean, every now and then I'll get some other stuff, but in general, these are going to be some platters or boxes or something like that. Becky, how do you make sure it's distributed 
equitably. Like this is a struggle that we had because like, let's say that your favorite, you know, let's say that you and Mrs. Smith, who's bringing in this box, like they're super tight, but it's your day off. And she brings in this great box of chocolates or whatever. How do you make sure that Susie actually gets some of that? Or do you even worry about it? Yeah. That, I mean, like <laughs> the, the feeling of being that, especially in ER and your second shift and you come in and like, Empty everything boxes. looks so pretty. You can see it, right? <laughs> right but like you right. open every time you open it, it's, and you're like, "Yes, you hate everybody." This is actually what causes <laughs> right. first shift, second shift, and animosity. Right. We blame it on everything else, but it's actually the food. Um, no, so that that is the thing. Like you have to, you have to. <laughs> I know you have to basically not care, in my opinion, or it's the client's job to say, like, so I would bring little trays with people's names on it or I would make you know I'm I'm famous for the like soda or drink with the tiny airplane bottle of liquor that goes with it so like you know Jack and Coke or like you know Malibu's and whatever they're cute and so you kind of have to make sure you have one for everybody kind of thing the homemade cocos so I kind of try to either make sure there is a little something for everyone or it's just kind of a free-for-all you get what you get and I think it does all come out in the wash it's more a matter of is it, is it up to, you know, I don't personally think it's up to us to say, well, Susie's off, so let's pull some cheese and make sure she has some tomorrow. But I, I at the same time, have been like, are you guys kidding? You didn't save anybody for <laughs> anything for anybody else. So the equity part of it, and, and that's kind of the thing where the policies and the is it worth it comes in because it's like, now our, is, our, is our management responsible for spending time like, okay, here's half for this shift and half <laughs> right, for that right, shift. Right. It, or are we just not realizing that this is just this tiny little drop in the bucket of things that people will find annoying and that will kind of build an internal, <laughs> you know, tension? I love that. And you're right, guys. If you're being honest listening today, it is annoying at times because you're like, wait, uh-huh. just because I was off, I missed the super duper cake or whatever. Um, and Becky, I will say we fell into that former category you described of of trying to do set aside some for Susie, right? So we did try to do that, but let's face it, whatever got set aside typically was stale and yucky the next day or whatever. So it kind of, kind of wasn't worth it. And sometimes, you know, they say that it's the thought that counts. Well, actually it's the good food that counts more probably. So, so I, you know, again, getting back to this now, Becky, um, so, so again, we don't have a solution for this, but I think you have to address it and you need to somehow talk about it. So like if, if a big, nice tray of something good comes in, either it's all hands on deck, go at it guys, or you need to say, Hey, we need to set some aside, but you do. I think you have to give some structure to it. I mean, I I think that otherwise you do risk hurting someone's feelings. I think this is a a conversation that everybody needs to put on their agenda for their next staff meeting. And you guys hammer this out because first of all, you're right. We don't have the answers, but I don't think there is an answer, but I also think it's something that when people listen to our podcast, Again, I'm kind of like, sometimes we're creating problems where there might not be any, (laughs) right? But, or are there, right? Because I'm just saying, think about this. Think about the sounds that you hear. Think about the conversations that are happening. Because if it is, seriously, you guys, all eight, we were just down in surgery for two hours. How did you eat the entire dozen Krispy Kremes or whatever? Um, That is kind of, it is frustrating. Because again, I think what happens is, is on a deeper level, people then feel unimportant, right? right? Like they're like, well, I was doing this working thing. You guys weren't busy in rooms. You guys weren't busy up front. And so whatever this is got demolished. And it, it is a, 
I'm going to say petty, but year after year, time after time, it is kind of a thing that could start to dwindle away your feelings of importance Yeah, because it could just be Ferrier Rocher, but it also could be um, the point behind it. And I think that's kind of what we're trying to get at here is what seems like just a free for all or like of a holiday, you know, expect ex, something that's expected at the holidays by its very nature could be something you could do better. And, and, and I think this is where we're just saying like, if you, if you know better, do better. So listen, talk to your teams because what does this actually look like in, in your clinic? And I'm going to go a step further here. And I, I brought this up like with COVID, with the flu season, should we even be accepting homemade treats? Like, should we even be accepting things that are not sealed up? And I know that our clients are probably not drugging us, but <laughs> like, what about, but it's not impossible, but it's also impossible. like, what about the, and, and the fact that now we're all just like eating off the same trays and things like that. Like with the precautions we've had to take over the last couple of years and the devastation of having entire teams out at one time. I, I wonder if we're going to see people more readily calling in sick since they've now been more practiced at doing so throughout COVID people are more aware of being sick. Right. And, and people being sick around them and saying like, if you're sick, do not come here. Right. Should we be thinking about this when we're, throwing down a tray of cheese and crackers that we're all going to be dipping into and and diving and eating off of. Right. And I think that's the bigger issue. And and as promised, you know, Becky and I both uh, veer on the edge of germophobia and <laughs> for a good reason. And I think a lot of probably our listeners do too, uh, just because of the business that we're in. But Becky, you're right. It's this communal food bowl, if you will. Right. And so yeah. now yeah. everybody's kind of dipping and sharing and diving in. And, and again, that's risk of cross-contamination by definition. And so, um, and I did appreciate your your chocolate drop a minute ago and so should we you know only accept kind of you know pre-made things store bots that are self and individual wrappers and all that kind of stuff or what about that big tray of uh cheese dip that mrs smith says hey don't forget i need to pick up my my dish in a, in a few days or whatever um becky i think you bring up a really good point because in general when we are eating uh, at a clinic, we are eating our own stuff that we brought from our own home, prepared ourselves. So that there's that closed little loop. But now suddenly, Mrs. Smith brings in this big old deli tray, and everybody's like picking this. Or, Whoops! I don't want that. I'm putting it back down. And then you know, suddenly you've got an outbreak of uh, you know norovirus in your clinic. Yeah, I think yeah, right. Oh God, there's so many things that you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly you're exactly right. And I guess I'm like I'm thinking it's sort of I think we're like when I was a kid I played in the mud and I didn't wear my shoes and I was fine. Like that's kind of what's going through my head because I'm like I cannot think of how I'm, like cheese balls you know right, that we're right. like all eating off of. But post COVID. I'm like way more sensitive to people who are touching the same tongs and spoons and all of that stuff. And I'm, I'm wondering about it and wondering if there needs to be some like provisions or rules and regulations around it. Um, and as clients, you know, we, I try to be aware of what I bring in and, and try, you know, keep that, but maybe do we put policies in place for our clients and say, we really appreciate your holiday treats. Um, because of cold and flus and, and COVID, we can only accept store-bought, individually wrapped things if you're, you know, is putting something out to the clients appropriate. Right. Um, 
I'm, I have questions and no answers. Right, right. And, and again, it's no secret. We've talked about it on the podcast. I've written about this and lectured on it. You know, it was no secret. I made it very well known to like drug reps and distributor reps and so forth that if you were going to bring food to any of our clinics, it needed to be a healthy option, not just pizza and uh, donuts, right? You know, so so I think you can probably signal that to your clients as well. Um, you know, it's, it's always hard. It's like, you know, do you put a post on your on your social media saying, hey, if you're thinking of giving us a gift this year, here's a great idea. Here's a list of things we'd like. I mean, that could work. It could be perceived as, you know, you actually, you know, asking for these gifts. I, I don't have an answer, but I think that, you know, he, Becky, let me ask you this. So let's say that Mrs. Smith brings in this big, giant bowl of something that she made at home, okay? Um are you going to say to her, oops, risk of, of cross-contamination, we can't accept it. Or are you going to accept it in the back and then dump it in the trash? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you have to accept it graciously. Yes. You 100%. I, but I'm from the South, right? So like, we're going to be gracious and we're going to say thank you, Mrs. Smith. Um, and perhaps we can even say, okay, who wants to take Mrs. Smith's potato salad home, right? Yes. Maybe that's it. And and one person, can, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> or, and, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's not that you can't enjoy the potato salad. It's just that everybody has to use their own spoons and you can only take one trip. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I just want people to be conscientious of it because of this, because we got into very detrimental states last two years when an entire clinic had to be out. We are still seeing people coming up positive for COVID. We see people then exposed to COVID and people having to kind of go above and beyond. Students are in school. Holidays are, are a time that people get sick. Um, we're, we're, I'm just saying like this is upcoming. I already had the yucky flu that's going around that isn't COVID, but you're sick for like two weeks. I was listening to something on the news last night talking about RSV and how like prominent that is this time right. of year. And then um, you know, anyway, people are, are sick and getting sick and traveling because of the holidays. So I'm just sort of like, how can we protect our already short staff teams right. with our already overloaded schedule without having something as fun and pleasant and enjoyable from the holidays as all of those Christmas treats, right? How can we still stay safe and healthy through that? Like, that's the bottom line of this. Because while you're enjoying and celebrating, God forbid, a bunch of your your team is out sick because, oh man, we all, right. you know, shared that space. And I know we kind of do anyway, but I think we're more cautious about it and don't maybe necessarily think about it in these, in these little scenarios where you don't think about the fact that everybody's just going to sh- grab the same spoon. So right. I think at bottom line, that's really what we're trying to draw attention to is keeping you guys safe and healthy. Yeah. And, and oral route is without a doubt the most prevalent. I mean, you know, this is where I am worried about norovirus and things like that. So, I mean, you know, again, viewfinders, we always, people are saying, well, we, we work so close together anyway. What's the point? Why would we not share food bowl? Well, it's a different route of, of, <laughs> of ingestion, right? I mean, so, yeah, breathing and sharing yeah. the same air. I'm, I'm paranoid about COVID, but honestly, there's a whole lot more things that can get, and I, I know I'm a germaphobe, so I'm sounding like a, a nutter here, but. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, right. no, you're not being germaphobe. You're saying these are areas where people who maybe are not as, as hyper aware right. forget and don't realize because you know we all fall for the hype of like the toilet seat being nasty and the truth is that's the cleanest spot in the bathroom like like there are tons yeah. of cultures to show that right because we don't touch the toilet seat so it's the things that we touch that are gross and nasty um and so like i'm picturing you know your team member on their phone waiting for their turn 
They wash their hands. They grab their phone. They're standing there waiting for their turn to grab the spoon and they have just reinfected with their nasty phone. So that sounds quote unquote germaphobic, but it's also like, hey, let's be hyper aware and protect our teams in these situations where it doesn't get thrown in cold sterile between uses. And so, (laughs) you know, and we're not about to go stick it into our mouths. Again, it sounds funny, but... um, the, this whole spectrum, I think, is, you know, it's it's holiday related. It's things that are going to come up that could be a concern. And let's keep everybody healthy and happy for the holidays and still get to have these yummy Christmas treats. Right. And again, you know, viewfinders, most of us are still like teetering on the edge of not having enough people you know, to, to sufficiently provide services. So if you lose a staff member, you know, just for for being, you know, not careful around the food bowl, then I think this is certainly a salient conversation. So again, guys, Happy holidays. I mean, they're here. They're upon us. I think this is just one other thing you need to consider. I, uh, you know, I, I'm with you, Becky. Some of those people are like, gosh, you guys talk about things that, you know, are, are not really problems. And it's like, if we're honestly, if we're talking about it, chances are it's because somebody asked us about it or talked to us about it. And that's why we're bringing it up to you guys. Cause we're like, Hey, that's a really interesting thing. And today's conversation was really one of those issues that we think probably is more prevalent out there, but nobody really talks about it. Oh, hey, and I also feel very strongly about getting in front of problems before they're actual (laughs) problems. So step away from your keyboard and just go check your kitchen break area. It's perfectly fine. (laughs) We're here to support you. And I I think this will start up a conversation because I want to hear... People's, I mean, I want to hear that that time that everybody got, you know, food poisoning <laughs> right. from the potato salad Uh-oh. at the Christmas party or, you know, what you guys actually do and how you've been able to kind of survive and thrive. Because I know we're not giving up the food. We shouldn't be. How are you guys sorting this all out? How do you sort your first and second shift treats? What are you doing? You guys have the solutions, so let us know. Yeah, and reach us uh, on on social media, obviously on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder, Twitter, Vet Viewfinder, and uh, always email us, veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. Send your questions, comments, concerns to Becky. She loves to read them. (laughs) Guys, I want to know how you're handling the holiday issues that are coming up, and maybe you've got some issue that we've never talked about, and you'd like to explore it with an entire legion of our colleagues, so let us know. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Good. Yes. That was pretty fun. That was-